This podcast is brought to you by The Province. Listening to Keyboard Kimura, the official mixed martial arts podcast of the province. Here are your hosts, Paul Chapman and E. Spencer Kite. Welcome, everybody, to a Sunday morning edition of the Keyboard Kimura podcast here on Province Sports Radio. I am your host, E. Spencer Kite, joined on this fabulous day by longtime friend of the show, occasional co host, now the editor-in-chief, senior editor, whatever you want to call him, over at Flow Combat. It's our boy, Dwayne Finley. What's going on, man? How are you this morning? Good morning from your neighbors to the south. Uh, hey, man, it's, uh, it's fun to be back rocking and roll, rolling with you, my friend. And it's good to... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk some interesting stuff. You know how I love chaos, and uh, that's <laughs> last night chaos reigned supreme in Los Angeles. Yeah, I had sent out the text message to set you up as my Sunday morning guest on this before the event happened, because we hadn't jumped on here together in a while. Because you've got some stuff with Flow Combat that we want to talk about a little later on in the show. But then, as you said, absolute chaos reigned supreme at UFC 199. We live in a world, and we're just going to jump right into this. We live in a world, you and I both woke up in a world, where Michael Bisping is the UFC middleweight champion. Uh, On a scale of 1 to 10, how unlikely of a result, especially being a first-round knockout win over Luke Rockhold, how unlikely was this result to you when you sat down to watch this show? I'm going about a 12, you know, <laughs> on that scale of 1 to 10. I'm going to take it to a 12, and here's why. It's, you know, because if you, you – say you and I last year about this time in Vegas sitting around having a beer talking fight. If somebody would have said to us, yeah, I guarantee in a year Michael Bisbing's going to be the middleweight champion, you and I would have just – we probably would have had to go to the hospital, like dying <laughs> laughing. Because nothing against Mike, Michael, but it just it – just, Here's a guy who could not get over, you know, the proverbial hump in the biggest moments of his career. You know, he seemed to kind of being relegated to that, you know, that uh, uh, headlining, uh, you know, drawing, you know, like serving that purpose, the Rich Franklin role, if you will, where he's he still draws big fights and you get him a, a good name and he's still going to put on a show. But he wasn't really a, a title contender. And then last night, just starching Rockhold. I mean, are you serious, man? Like, what a beautiful story, though, man. I'm, I'm happy for the count. I mean, it, it absolutely is a crazy story. Three weeks away from his 10-year anniversary in the UFC, as I talked about with John Gooden last week, sort of setting this up. I was in Montreal last year when Michael Bisping was getting ready to fight C.B. Dalloway. That was his first fight since the Luke Rockhold loss. Um, have talked to Mike a bunch, and and he, as I said with with Gooden last week, he's always been an honest guy in terms of assessing his results, assessing his position and things. And one of the things I asked him was like, listen, I, I have to ask you about it. And he just started laughing and said, the win one, lose one, can't find any consistency, what the hell is wrong with Bisping kind of thing. He's been great since. <laughs> I mean, he went out, looked very good against C.B. Dalloway, beats Talis Latis. Beats Anderson Silva and now is the middleweight champion of the world. To me, I'm I'm with you on that 12. And why I'm there is because outside of, like, I think most of us didn't expect Michael Bisping to win this fight. We didn't see many real paths to victory for him other than, you know, somehow grinding out three rounds to two in a super close fight where he just gets the nod. I might I, I might have to take it to a 13 or a 14 because Michael Bisping knocked out Luke Rockhold. This, this wasn't the typical Michael Bisping kind of wears a guy down and survives and outpoints them. This was a clean left hand to the dome that put Rockhold down and then another one that put him out. 
this is bonkers. Like, this isn't quite Matt Sarah beating George St. Pierre because we've seen this sort of chaos, especially in the last year. But this is up there. This is one of the crazier upsets in UFC history to me. Oh, without a doubt. And here's the thing, like, you know, with what's this do to Rockhold, you know, psychologically <laughs> is the question. Because the, the, the guy, you know, was pumping out all this media you know, in the in, in the lead up, saying, you know, like I think you told Damon Martin, you know, I'm the most confident MF you're ever going to meet. And but here's the thing, like like Rogan pointed out in the early going, like Rockhold's chin was straight up in the air, and for yep. such a such a seasoned striker, like what was going on there, you know? And and that's the thing with 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 Belfort, and I know I've told you this story like personally, but. You know, I saw Luke, like, uh, I spent some time with Luke a couple months after he lost to Vidor, and, and he was, like, still, like, you, it, it was eating at him something fierce that, you know, and then, you know, but then Belfort had the, the TRT situation, and, and that kind of became the, like, the it kind of, like, almost like a pass, you know, uh, so to speak. But he got straight lit up <laughs> last night by, by Michael Bisping, by a guy who's been, you know, uh, you know, um, Refer, referred to as having pillow hands, right. you know, like the like, guy that we always talk about of of where would his career be if he had any kind of punching power, if he could put any any pop on some of these shots that he lands in high volume. Oh, absolutely, and that's the thing, man. Is like you know, with uh, you know the way the way everything started, I, I just you know there was like you said, there about paths to victory. We had no reason to believe that Bisping did have a path to victory. I mean, the way he fought Luke in the first go, Luke absolutely steamrolled him and then, and then choked him out, you know, one-handed. So it's like, um, how is Michael going to, you know, outstrike that, you know, such a accomplished striker? And if it goes to the ground, Luke's way better than him on the ground. You know, what was going to happen? And then Bisping, you know, salts him. Like, it, it's un- unbelievable. And that's the thing is like, man, like, that's going to be a hard one for, for, for Rockhold to shake, you know. But do you think, like, you know, as much as you and I hate immediate rematches, what does this do to the title picture, you know? I think it, it absolutely further shakes it up. I mean, to come in on – and it's crazy. The, the craziest part of this to me is that – and I don't believe in speaking things into reality because – I've spoken a lot of things that never came into reality, so my, my belief and my confidence in that is shook. Uh, but Michael Bisping spoke this into reality. I mean, he he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in off two weeks' notice, off a movie set, fresh, and I'm going to knock this dude out. It is my destiny to be champion. And now he's champion. I think this is both a good thing and a bad thing for the UFC um, and for the middleweight division, good because I think the continued chaos of titles changing hands and us not getting back into an era of dominant champions in multiple divisions further makes you have to watch every event. Like when this fight changed to Michael Bisping, I'm sure there were people that said, well, we just saw this 18 months ago and it was completely one sided. I'm out. I don't need to watch this. And now Michael Bisping has shaken that up by going out and, and winning the title. I think it opens things up. I think it makes a Chris Weidman fight very interesting. I think it makes a Jacques Ray fight interesting. I think you can do a rematch down the road. I don't think we need to get into immediate. I'm not a fan of them anyways. I think it's always better to put a little space in between people. And I think we saw Michael Bisping in all of his glory talking about that at the press conference last night as he was you know, enjoying a couple of cold ones and, and twisting the knife in Luke Rockhold several, several times. Um, but I think it's good. I think it ultimately creates more intrigue in a division that has kind of three or four guys up near the top that are all in contention, all in position. The guy for me that I feel bad for in all of this, coming out of this, is Robert Whitaker, who last November was originally scheduled to fight Michael Bisping at UFC 193 in Melbourne. Going to be his big sort of opportunity to have that big fight against a big name and maybe introduce himself to a larger audience and and really cement himself as a contender. That fight falls through. He fights Uriah Hall. He has still looked good. But all of this, like, 
has come about because Michael Bisping didn't take or couldn't take that fight, that's crazy to me because I would have favored Robert Whitaker in that fight. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And that's just kind of how things shake out in the sport. You know, I think uh, uh, Robert Whitaker is one of these guys that definitely deserves and has deserved something a little bit bigger for the time. But, you know, it's kind of like when uh, uh, Munoz was supposed to fight Bisbing. Remember that? In yep. Chicago. And then uh, he, he ended up, uh, he ended up uh, having to pull out of it. Um, you know, things tra- change in a dime in this sport. And, you know, Bisbing's certainly been on the, the, the bad side of that shake a few times. <laughs> and then, you know, last night, just, you know, hey, crazier things have happened. But, but yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, it's an interesting picture now because you have, you know, Weidman, you have Jacare, uh, Romero's coming back, you know, uh, and then uh, Brunson, Musasi. I mean, I, I, think, I think it almost makes it a little more exciting, you know, uh, um, kind of, it kind of, you know, I, I kind of got the feeling last night that we could be seeing a, like almost a rock hold reign of dominance for a while. Like he looks so good against Weidman and, and, and the fights leading up. You're like, man, who's going to beat this guy? And then, you know, a couple minutes later, you're like, oh my goodness. Well, and I wrote that going in was like, and, and I believe I prefaced it with, listen, anything can happen. And we know better than to say in advance that, this guy is going to win X number of fights. I mean, the Machida era lasted less than a year. We all thought he was, you know, going to reign supreme. But this was a guy, as you said, that has all the markings, that that has all the elements that you look for in a potentially dominant champ. And then he went out, and and I would I want to just say that like his confidence got to him. His overconfidence, his hubris, is is a big factor in that. To me, looking at the division, this just creates so many cool opportunities. If I had to pick a guy right now that I give the first title shot to, I know Chris Weidman was already lobbying for it, saying, I'm looking forward to taking that belt from you at, in, at Madison Square Garden. To me, the guy is Jacare. Went out and starts Vitor Belfort. Doesn't have a history with them. You don't then run a guy that just lost a title fight in against the new champion. Bisping is the perfect guy to help carry a fight and promote a fight with Jacare, who is not a native English speaker, who isn't somebody that does a ton of media um, and has a lot to say. Perfect guy to set up alongside a guy that will not stop talking and will enjoy this moment and revel in it for a long time. And damn it, he deserves it. Because 10 years in to finally get his first opportunity and go out and do this, you have to... like. Love him or hate him, you have to give Michael Bisping a little a little round of applause and a little tip of the cap on a Sunday morning that he is now the UFC middleweight champion. Yeah, and I agree with you on the Jacare front absolutely uh, 100% because that's that's the thing on the promotional dynamic, you know, could you see, you know, Weidman versus Jacare on the build up? That would be I mean, you'd have to wake <laughs> you'd have to wake us all up on that. You know, uh Bisping would be the perfect guy. You know, and that's the thing. If, if like, uh, to reference Sarah, like, you know, you did earlier, if it is a one and done, you know, if he goes in and, you know, he fights Jacare and Jacare, you know, doesn't man. I mean, it's still like, you can't take this away from him. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he's the, he, he's the champ and he, <laughs> this is his time. And, you know, there'll probably be, you know, a parade or something, you know, I mean, like, unbelievable like the pictures from the post-fight presser you know bisping you know rocking the beers and hanging with the lads you know it was like just this guy's earned it you know it was one of the better post-fight press conferences around um he took every opportunity to rub it in luke rockhold's face and and bisping does the typical bisping thing where he one minute is up there being as humble as can be and saying quote-unquote, all the right things. Luke's a great fighter, I respect him, yada, yada, yada. But then he's also looking over and holding up the belt and being like, yeah, you got knocked out. <laughs> STFU, buddy. <laughs> like, it's just... And, and, and then, and then what, what did Rockhold say? Because Bisping's like, yeah, when you beat me, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I was I was courteous and decent. Yeah. And Rockhold's like, dude, you kept walking, you, you walked up and asked me if I knew where I was. Right. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've got to run it back at some point, but I do think we will get uh, at least 
one fight for each guy in between just to just to see where things shake out. But on this Sunday morning, as we record this, Michael Bisping is the UFC middleweight champion of the world. It is absolute craziness. East Spencer Kite, Dwayne Finley of Flow Combat. Recapping UFC 199, talking about where some of these things go in the future. In the wake of that event at the Forum in Los Angeles, here on the Keyboard Kamara Podcast on Province Sports Radio. So from having the unexpected and the really improbable, I guess, ending to the main event, we shift to the co-main event where things pretty much played out as closely to script as, as you would expect with Dominic Cruz retaining the UFC bantamweight title, earning a 2-1 edge over Uriah Faber in their personal trilogy. This, to me, was just another clinical Dominic Cruz performance. I think it it went, as I said, the way that most of us expected with Cruz just being a little bit quicker, having a few more weapons and a few more options than Uriah Faber, who has been a tremendous competitor, insane that he has been in this top three, top five for as long as he has, but just feels like a guy that has been passed by ever so slightly by that top tier, by that upper echelon. Sort of as Dominic Dominic Cruz said in the build-up to this, I was gone for four years. If you were so good, how come you never got the belt? And I think this fight really showed it and really showed that separation between Cruz and everybody else in the division right now, save for maybe TJ Dillashaw, who looked very good in their fight. Thoughts on the Dominator, thoughts on Faber, and, and thoughts on the Bantamweight division as a whole going forward. Well, let's start with, I'll start with Faber. You know, uh, I, I've said it for a while now that you could kind of see, you know, Faber was the kind of best of the rest, if you will, um, in that division. Um, and then you, you know, cause like that was his thing, right? He never lost, uh, the only losses he had were in title fights. Well, we've seen over the last, you know, two years that guys have kind of narrowed that gap on him. He isn't, he wasn't murking guys like, you know, like Michael McDonald and, you know, fights against Caceres and, uh, uh, uh Rivera, you know, were closer than, uh, than what we've seen, you know, um, uh, I, I can't remember. The fight with uh, Frankie Signs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That's what I'm saying. Like, just we didn't, we're not seeing him blow past people. And, uh, and yeah, you know, and this fight with Cruz played out exactly like, you know, most of us in the sport kind of figured it would. Um, the thing with Cruz, though, I mean, he kind of, Cruz, you know, he, he, you know, granted, it was the first time he'd fought twice in a calendar year since 2011, but he seemed to kind of overextend himself a couple of times. You notice that, like, he, he didn't look the way he looked against Dillashaw. Maybe it was because he was, you know, he was in so much control that he just kind of could kind of sit back and didn't feel the urgency that he, he felt against TJ. Um, you know, I look at this Bantamweight division and I, I'm excited about it, man. I think this is a division that's been uh, held up, you know, for, for years because of the top guys being injured, Cruz being one of them. And, uh, you know, guys like a Sunsal been out, you know, and then so we had you we had the fight night card with Garbrandt, Almeida, Sterling Caraway, and that and that showcased this next wave that's coming. And and I really think there's some exciting things happening there. And, and I know everybody's high on Garbrandt right now. But the reason that I'm so high on him is because the dude has amazing wrestling, but he's never had to show it because of his hands. So what I think with, with Cruz. I mean, maybe, you know, granted, I probably think he fights Caraway next um, and TJ and a Sunsau fight works out for the next title shot. But I really think that Garbrandt could be this foil because he has the type of power that changes things. Right. You know what I mean? Like Faber doesn't have the power to hurt Cruz. I mean, Dillashaw really doesn't have the power to hurt Cruz. I mean, in in order to do it, you have to be able to stalk him down. And you have to connect. I remember, like, I remember talking to Benavides, and you know, when we're talking about guys who throw power shots, and and they say that, like, you know, Joseph was saying that, you know, it's important, even though you know the the punch is going to get blocked, to really put your power into it to kind of show the guy you're fighting, uh, you know, what what you know what you're de- what he's dealing with, and that's the thing, man. Like, you know, Al- Almeida, you know, uh, Garbrandt touched him clean one time and it just, it, it changed everything. That, yeah. You saw, you saw that snap in, in Thomas Almeida where it was, okay, this is real. 
Um, I agree with you that this wave coming up and this sort of bantamweight being in the spotlight, and I've talked about it a bunch on the blog on Keyboard Kimura, about how great this is, that this division is finally getting its moment. Cruz and I talked about it last week prior to this fight, that it's great to see him at the back and at the forefront of it because I think his fight in January with TJ sort of put that spotlight on it because he is the guy that we sort of have been waiting for him to come back. As you said, he's been out for so long, it just kind of puts the division on hold a little bit because as much as he was stripped of the belt and TJ had the title, it's sort of like light heavyweight where DC didn't beat the guy that we all recognize as the best for the belt. So you feel a little bit not quite sold on those top guys. I think we're going to get that now over these next 8, 12, 16 months, provided everybody can stay healthy and, and keep moving forward. I agree with you on the favor part. I, I thought and, and wrote about it after his fight with Frankie Signs that to me that was the sign that Faber was in decline because vintage Uriah Faber doesn't let that guy off the hook. He gets that finish. It doesn't go 15 minutes. He's not sitting there afterwards looking a little bit lumped up where Frankie Signs actually came back in the third round to win that fight. As you mentioned, the Cisco Rivera fight <clears throat> and the Alex Caceres fights as well. For me, the cool takeaway from this or the big takeaway that has me excited is just Dominic Cruz is back. He is competing for the second time in six months. He is, from all looks of it, relatively healthy. I mean, he limps out of the cage every time now because he's got some plantar fasciitis issues and, I mean, he's had three knee repairs. But so long as he's healthy and he can continue defending, you mentioned you think Brian Caraway get Brian Caraway is is the guy that gets next. Do you think that's the direction the UFC goes for Dominic Cruz? Is that maybe not quite as well known guy that just went out and got a very good win over Aljamain Sterling, or do they look at somebody like John Dodson and and see if they can't put that together? Or or does Dominic Cruz just kind of wait and see what happens with Dillashaw and Asun Sal? Yeah, I really think I think they're going to go this way. I think they're going to go uh, uh, Garbrandt, Caraway. I think they'll go Dotson, Lineker, and and then I think they'll do the winner of uh, TJ and Asensio is going to get Cruz. I I just I just don't think that um, the other four guys I mentioned kind of have enough promotional cook behind them yet, kind of right. cooking for that title shot. I think uh, Dillashaw still has that that, you know, title sheen to him, you know, so um, if he gets by a Sunsau, I I think they they run that one back, I really do, um, and then maybe Cruz, I don't know, maybe Cruz takes some time off in between, uh, it's hard, it's hard saying, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I, it, and that's all exciting stuff, right, like, to have, you know, uh, Dotson and Lineker, I mean, like, <laughs> if that happens, I mean, or you could do Garbrandt versus Lineker, or Garbrandt versus Dotson, I mean, the reason I say Caraway is I, I I think that Caraway once again gets short sold. You know, I mean, like right. we've seen this we've seen this guy get short sold and kind of fed to these you know these <laughs> these fights these fights he's not supposed to win and he, and he wins and and I think with Garbrandt you know uh uh you know they they realize that they have a star in the making and I don't think they put him in against Lineker or Dotson. Not that he can't beat them because I think he he can, but that's a much more dangerous fight. And then you put him against Caraway. Then we're going to have to test that wrestling and test that ground game and see what he has there. And then if he emerges from that, then you have the story, right? You have proven a guy that's not just a knockout phenomenon. You have a guy that's well-rounded, and then he's a title hopeful. You know, I can kind of see it shaping up that way. Yeah, absolute bottom line of it all is that it is outstanding to be a fan of the bantamweight division. It is great for the UFC that has tons of options right now. We didn't even mention a guy like Jimmy Rivera who hasn't lost in something like four years, 18 fight winning streak. He's in that mix as well. Michael McDonald also in there. Similar options abound at featherweight, um, a division that you've had a chance and I've had a chance to, to talk to a bunch of these guys fairly regularly. I know not too long ago you were in New Jersey talking with former lightweight champ fighting for the interim title, Frankie Edgar at UFC 200, where he'll take on Jose Aldo. But Saturday night, we saw Max Holloway go out, take on Ricardo Lamas, pick up his ninth consecutive victory. Hasn't lost since his fight with Conor McGregor. This is a kid that is is 24 years old. 
has 15 of his 19 pro fights in the UFC and seems to just keep getting better. If Michael Bisping was the recipient of the, you know, getting his moment, finally getting his chance opportunity on Saturday night, Max Holloway is the guy at the other end of the spectrum where he's got to be wondering, what more do I have to do? Because he just keeps going out and getting these impressive wins, keeping this winning streak going, and yet it feels like a title shot is still just out of reach for him. Yeah, it was you call it the the Frankie Edgar uh, <laughs> award because that's really the thing, is. man. It's, it's it, and I wrote about it in the Good, Bad, and Stranger. That's the that's the the damn shame of the situation is that Holloway puts on a, a remarkable performance and really takes no step closer to a title shot because Conor McGregor is holding this thing hostage. Like that that's the thing is if if you knew if there was transparency to say that Edgar and Aldo were fighting for the vacant title. And Holloway would get next, then that would make a whole lot of sense. But that's not the world we live in, you know. It's like, okay, well, Edgar and Aldo are going to settle that interim thing. Well, then, then the winner has to fight Connor for the uh, for the unification bout. That's if Connor decides to come down. And then, as I could see things happening, you know, uh, we could probably get to the end of the calendar year. And Connor, depending on what happens, you know, I think if he loses against Diaz at two hundred two. Then he has to come down. I don't think he has any, any any more clout or stock to make a decision. Or they could also say, well, you know what? We're not going to 45. We're going to 55. Right. And that's where he's going to stay. So I feel bad for Holloway. But I will tell you this. I, I like I nearly passed out from the awesomeness. <laughs> that that final 10 seconds where, you know, he, he's crew, he's, he's way ahead on the scorecards. And then they, they like <laughs> right. him and Lamas like make a bro deal. To throw down like 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 animals for the <laughs> for the final ten seconds, man. Uh, I love Max Holloway and and I and I and I and, and Rick Lamas too. But um, I think <laughs> I think the I think Holloway has to get next. I think the UFC has to step in and say, you know what? Okay, well, because you know, in all this McGregor talk, even when they said, you know, like because there was a report floating around last week that. Uh, it wasn't going to be Diaz. The UFC was looking for a new opponent. They they weren't looking at forty five. Right. Like like that's the thing. I think the UFC has to step in and say, "Hey, look, McGregor's out at forty five. This division has to continue." And that just that just cut the BS and get to it. I mean, I think that's what it has to be. And then you know, if you want to circle back two years from now, McGregor be like, you know. Uh, you know, I never lost the belt. They took it from me, blah, blah, blah. You still have intrigue there, and he can jump back in for a big fight. But let this division go, man. I mean, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, Edgar Edgar said it best, you know. he's And I love it that he's not really wearing the muzzle anymore, you know. <laughs> he said uh, when they when they gave him Aldo at 200, he's like, I don't if this ain't a consolation prize, I don't know what is. Well, and it's true. And somebody asked uh, UFC Senior Vice President of Public Relations, Dave Schaller, who was hosting the press conference last night in Inglewood at the Forum, about just that. Like, what is the plan? Where do things go for Max Holloway? And Dave gave the response that you expected. You know, it's a good time to be Max Holloway. Let's see what happens at 200. That's still the interim title, on and on and on. I'm with you 100%. If Connor isn't coming back, if they're... If we know, UFC is almost in a better spot to me if they take that belt from Connor and say he's not coming back, make UFC 200 for the actual title as opposed to an interim belt, which is something that most people don't respect because it is sort of a paper championship, especially when the champion is fighting on that same card and he's just not defending that belt for the second consecutive fight. And I get that Connor only won the belt in December. I was there. It hasn't been that long, but if the intention is to never go back and, and the reality is that he can't make that weight or struggles too much to make that weight and doesn't need to go back, then let's move forward because we've talked about it, you and I, and just in general in this sport, there comes a point where these, a point of diminishing returns for these fighters and Max Holloway is up against it. There is nothing else that makes sense for them. There's nothing else for the UFC to do with him that makes sense for the organization. Like, why would you... The only guy in the top five that he hasn't fought that isn't booked is Chad Mendez. And why in God's name would you ever consider that 
because we've already seen Chad Mendes against Conor McGregor, against Jose Aldo twice, against Frankie Edgar. There's no need to do it. So now Max Holloway's in a position where his options are seriously limited. He's got two potential fights, that being Conor McGregor and the winner of the Aldo-Edgar sweepstakes. But he could still end up sitting out for a year. It just feels like such a, I guess, mistaken going down the wrong path and making the wrong decision with all of this Connor stuff. And, and you and I have talked about it. it. It sort of just holds up multiple divisions because you have all of these guys wondering what the hell is going on at featherweight, as you mentioned, at lightweight potentially if Connor decides this is where I'm going to be instead. And even at welterweight where, you know, going into that first fight, we talked about if Connor McGregor won that, there was a real possibility that he was going to jump to the front of the line to challenge Robbie Lawler for the welterweight title. So it feels like this is the moment where you just separate Conor McGregor from the division because you've got that intrigue and because you've got, as you said, and I I don't want to get off this subject without talking about it, the absolute ridiculous final 15 seconds of that fight where Max Holloway has absolutely no reason to look at Ricardo Lamas and be like, what do you think, bro? We just, you know, slug it out right here. Give these guys yeah, what they want, yeah, and just chuck them for ten for ten seconds of complete ridiculousness. I'm sure there were. I mean, it 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 to me on a night of amazing fights and amazing action. That was the most entertaining piece of the night. Was just these two guys that are legit top ten, top five fighters. Uh, two guys I have a ton of respect for that are absolute monsters in there. Just being like, you know what? Let's give these fans a show for ten seconds and just slinging. Oh yeah, and then and that's the thing is we saw uh, several times uh, on that night already, and you know those guys saw it in the back how fortunes changed in one strike. You know, uh, Ortega Guida, you know, uh, Old Man Henderson and Lombard. You know, like for Holloway just to uh, point at the mat and that them two guys just uh just a duke, man. It, like, okay, any one of those shots could have could have taken that victory right away from him. But that's how game Holloway is, and I love it. And like you said, it's an unfortunate situation that hopefully, hopefully highlights the UFC that something has to be done. How do you shelf this kid? I mean, I think Mike Bond uh, from uh, MMA Junkie tweeted out last night. I think that's where I saw it first that Holloway's the first guy in UFC history to have a nine fight win streak right. and not get a title shot. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's and then, crazy. And then I love how like they like Goldberg and them like tried to tie McGregor back into it. Like, well, you know, he has the longest uh, winning streak in the division, tied with you know Conor McGregor. It's like Conor McGregor isn't isn't in that division right now. And that's like with you know I you know from spending time with Edgar, I get the frustration. It's like you know, it's not only has this guy not defended the title, he he he'll have fought twice, right? Twice in a different division. You know what I mean? Like that makes no sense to him. And that's the thing is, if McGregor's in the money fights now, which he he clearly is, good. There's there's a space for that. I mean, that's entertaining and that's that's high value. But it, but there's also important business that has to keep rolling, and that's a and, and that's an entire 145 pound division. It, I mean, it's red hot right now. And for the UFC to just keep pushing it off, you know, in lieu of Conor McGregor is it's just it's just a mistake. Yeah, you you mentioned sort of it just being such a weird situation. And, and for me, as we've discussed and as people know from listening to this show, it is that fact that he's active and not defending the title that just sits so weird to me. I get why they're doing this rematch. They absolutely had to after everything that transpired a couple of months ago with the retirement, non-retirement getting a ton of attention to this fight after we sort of were just kind of like, yeah, all right, we get why it's going to happen. Let's just do it and get it over with. But it just holds up things for so many people. And you mentioned earlier about the Holloway Lamas fight, about that last 10 seconds, how one strike can change things. There was a moment earlier in that fight that sort of made me think Max is crazy for doing this in the final 15 seconds, where he had stung Ricardo Lamas, came forward and was just throwing those bombs, trying to get that finish. And Rick fired back and caught him, and Max had to take that backward step and sort of check himself, like, hang on a minute, I need to clean things up and tighten things up a little bit. So a crazy way to end that fight. 
a crazy way to pick up a ninth consecutive victory. I, I, I honestly and truly hope that it doesn't have to get to 10 straight for this kid to get his opportunity because if anybody has earned it, and I know I'm the first to say that earned isn't a word we should be using when trying to talk about title contenders in this sport and in the UFC, but this kid has put in work. He has done everything you can ask of him. Becoming a bigger star, becoming somebody that people want to see he needs to get his shot. He needs to get his due. And this division needs to move forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember writing, uh, you and I, uh, writing an article after you and I conversed. And, uh, I mean, it was in 2012 <laughs> or, or it was like 2011. And, and you and I were having a conversation one night about uh, how great the featherweight division could be. And I remember writing, uh, I was a bleach report at the time and saying, like, 2012 is going to be the year the featherweight division, like, gets hot, you know. And then you look. And it absolutely has been, man. I mean, but you, but you, dude, you, you said it perfectly. Well, what other option is there? There is no option. Uh, Max Holloway has just eaten up the real estate available. So it's so now you you have this 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 kid who's red hot. And, and the thing is, like, you know, I you know I I said that that they should have done Holloway versus uh, versus uh, Edgar for the interim anyway. Like that that should have been the, the shot. I think that's a hell of a matchup. Uh, you know, uh, no bias in that situation. I, I, you know, I know both very well. But um, you know, for for as as game as Holloway is, you know, Ed, Edgar's uh, Edgar's got a style that that's going to give him trouble, and 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 Holloway has the range that's going to give Edgar trouble. And you know, that's that's the thing is maybe Jose Aldo looks better than he ever has before. You know, I mean, this is a great time. This is this like it's like it's like a Christmas like it's like a Christmas present for the UFC. Like you have this amazing division right now, especially since like fifty five is kind of like it's almost stole the thunder from fifty five, you know? So uh yeah, man, I think they have to do something. Yeah, I would agree. And and since we're all around it, it's the Keyboard Kamora podcast on Province Sports Radio, East Spencer Kite, Dwayne Finley. Discussing all things UFC 199 and the fallout and, and directions that things can go afterwards. And since we're all around this subject, one of the things we did get last night during the UFC 199 pay-per-view was confirmation that Conor McGregor and Nathan Diaz will do it again. They will run it back at UFC 200 August 20th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. I think it is a fight that, that had to happen. Um, as I just mentioned not too long ago, there was too much energy and interest built up when it fell apart and when Connor came off the card at UFC 200 and then Nate Diaz showed up at that press conference and was like, listen, I signed up to fight this dude. I didn't want to fight this dude. He asked for it. Y'all told me this is what you want me to do. So I'm fighting that dude or I'm going on vacation. Peace him out. I think it's the right way to go. I think it is time to kind of put this thing to bed, get this settled, and let's get moving forward. Not just for the featherweights who we just discussed, but just in general. I think Nate Diaz has become a much bigger star out of this. I think there are better ways to utilize him than running this back. I think the same as Conor McGregor. As you said, he's a guy that is very much clearly in that money weight fight mode right now, and there is room for that in today's UFC I would be obtuse if I tried to sit here and say, well, it's all about sport and it shouldn't be this and it shouldn't be. Listen, if that dude's bringing in eyeballs, let him let him bounce around and fight these different fights, but move forward with things. Let everything else that doesn't need to be connected to him and to that situation continue to progress forward and let Connor be an entity unto himself. I'm glad this is happening. I'm glad that we're getting it back and, and it's going to... It feels, to me, it's almost a, I'm glad it's going to be over by the fall. What were your thoughts? Where where do you sit on the whole running this one back outside of what we just discussed with the featherweight division and the featherweight title? Uh, I absolutely agree, man. And I, But I think for a, a few reasons that, you know, uh, Connor in his hiatus or in his, you know, uh, tension with the UFC, you know, he kind of, he kind of revealed, you know, like he understands that one more loss and he's complete, you know, he's, he's irrelevant. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think that with the situation with Diaz, I mean, he's kind of stuck between two places. He doesn't want to go. You know what I mean? He, he's, he's got Diaz on one side and then probably Frankie Edgar 
on the other, I mean, you know, Jose Aldo, you know, too. I mean, that's not a fun fight by any means. But that's the thing is like, okay, well, Connor is 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 a one man show, and this Diaz thing has so much intrigue, and and it's so captivating that yeah, they they have to they have to run it back. But here's the thing is what you know Diaz did that on short notice. What's he gonna do on a full camp? You know, it's just it's it's I don't know, man. It's a uh, but then again, you know, if they would have come out and announced and said, "Hey, uh, it's Conor McGregor versus you know Cowboy Cerrone," how how big of a letdown would that have been? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and think about that—that's nuts. Like, that would have been a an awesome fight to see. But but because we're so tied up in the the Diaz McGregor saga, anything else would have been a letdown. And I, and I think the UFC knew that. That's why they they pushed for it so hard, and they wouldn't let go. You know, that's why they jumped through all the hoops to make it happen. Um, yeah, but I'm just I'm exactly where you're sitting, man. I cannot wait for this to be over. Like I cannot wait for something else. Just but it's just like the McGregor Aldo thing with the world tour. Like I could not wait for another another topic to hit the table and just put that to bed for a while with in the same with you know, we went through with the Rousey circus. Like there's just some things that get a little bit exhausting and I think Connor was pretty transparent and, and honest and you know, I think he he too you know, felt the same, like almost like, Hey man, I'm sick of myself, you know, like right. he would never say that, but that's the sentiment that I got, you know, because that's the thing is like, and make this clear. And I know you know this, but for anybody listening, once, once McGregor's career is over, I think the MMA media should collectively pull up and buy the dude like a Rolls Royce <laughs> because anytime McGregor does anything, it's a good day for all of us. So it's like, and it's and it's not like the clicky bait stuff, you know. It's like, you know, McGregor. He just I don't know. He's he's something special, and I I I think doing these like money weight fights and being like the main attraction, I think that fits more the the anim like I don't know like those clothes fit the animal more than trying to operate within a system of being like, hey, you know, he already you know he he fought his way up, he got his belt, he's a main attraction. Okay, now. He's earned this, this right to do whatever. And he, and uh, but at the same time, the, the 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 bad that comes with that is that he he is tying up careers and 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 uh, an entire division, maybe even two. So I think, uh, yeah, let's get two o two over. Let's get on to something else. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and and you know, there's still a crap load of fights in between now and then. But that I guarantee you that. I mean. Lesnar coming back, that news, you know, like, I don't even really care about it. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I When they announced that Diaz and McGregor's confirmed, I was like, I was like, yes, but not like, oh, yeah, we're going to see this fight. Like, yes, we're closer to getting this over with. <laughs> yeah, so you mentioned in there the other big bit of news that broke during the pay-per-view. Broke before it, Ariel Helwani announcing that there was some conversation. I, I mean, listen, my immediate reaction was, the hell is it? Like, seriously, this is what we're doing again? Um, but Ariel's a dude that, listen, he is as legit as they come. He is as respected as they come. If he says this is what they're talking about, I believe him 100%. Of course, the UFC confirmed it later, with Brock Lesnar being at the end of the UFC 200 uh, trailer that they unveiled with his memorable can you see me now or do you see me now um i'm of the same mind as you i understand why they're bringing him back it's not a big deal to me in the sense of oh my god i can't wait to see it um as i wrote about on the fight desk today at keyboard kimura this is an absolute no lose for the ufc they get a jolt of electricity and brock lesnar coming back it is a complete one-off whether he wins or loses, it does not matter. This is just to increase attention and increase eyes to UFC 200, which is going forward without currently the UFC's two biggest stars, Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor, two people that we very much expected this time last year, even you know last summer, to be on this card. Um, I have no idea who he's going to fight. That's the other part of it for me. Um, Frank Muir would have made perfect sense but he's suspended, and so you just sort of look at, like, what are they going to do? Could they do something crazy and get Fedor Emelianenko? 
maybe but Fedor fights I believe next weekend so is he suddenly going to decide I'd like to fight twice in two months maybe if they throw enough money at him ultimately I think it's going to just end up being one of those weird sort of you know do they maybe pull Josh Barnett from the Andre Arlovsky fight do they see what Todd Duffy's up to uh something something that doesn't necessarily carry any meaning or value in that division and it becomes another spectacle fight another money fight another draw fight i get it i'm not that pumped i'm more interested in in getting to see sort of the spectacle of brock lesnar during ufc 200 fight week than anything else yeah and and same here you know i mean like um you know it's funny that you said duffy because that's you know when when the news went out (laughs) last night you know everybody's texting me like hey man who do you think it's gonna be and then i you know i kind of really kind of thought about like well you know um, you know, you know, Carwin's name popped up a couple right. of times, like, you know, cause that, that timeline would work if Shane was coming, you know, going to make a comeback and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I think that like, a, like a Duffy fight makes sense. I mean, this is just, uh, it's just a, a, just a profile showing for a little bit of pop or a big pop. Uh, it has the significance. I think, you know, us, it, us in the media, you know, I, I know I've commented a few times that, you know, uh, UFC 200 just didn't kind of have that feel yet that 100 had, you know, that, that, uh, historical kind of feeling, uh, and Lesnar adds something to that, you know, because of his, his presence on the UFC 100 card. So yeah, man, I, 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 I like it in that sense. Otherwise I, you know, I just, I was never, it never really captivated me the way it, it, it did everything, you know, it seemed every, you know, millions of others. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just, that's, it's going to be, like you said, a spectacle and, and I always leaned more towards the sports side. The thing for me with Lesnar, and, and I 100% as people that have listened to this show know, and as, as my former one-time co-host, currently recuperating managing editor Paul Chapman, loves to point out I am a pro wrestling guy and have been for a long time. So his arrival to me was super entertaining, super interesting, because this was a dude that I recognized from the WWE, I knew his background, I knew his collegiate amateur wrestling successes. He is a gigantic freak athlete, and so I was always curious to see what he could do. But after that sort of first time you saw him get hit and really not react the way that 99% of fighters react, like if Robbie Lawler is one end of the spectrum where he smiles and laughs at you, fixes his gloves, and then jumps right back into the fray. Brock Lesnar's on the other end where he gets hit, and it just, you see him flinch, you see him wince. And believe me, I don't want to get hit by these gargantuan human beings, but I don't do this professionally. I don't even do it for for pretend. Um, Once we got to that point, I started to be out on Lesnar as a, like, this is a guy that can be a player in this division. Because at heavyweight, everybody hits with all kinds of force. And if you're not conditioned to take those blows and you're not conditioned to react in, you know, for lack of a better word, the right way, there's nothing that's going to change that. Not at the age Brock Lesnar's at to be returning to this sport. And so I get the spectacle of it. I understand that it is going to boost pay-per-view buys it is going to boost business it's going to get them some extra attention outside of the traditional mma media sphere it'll be cool to see brock lesnar live and in person and really get a chance to be like holy shit this is a gargantuan human being but in terms of the heavyweight division and and where he fits or anything like that this to me is a complete one-off Good on the UFC for going forward with it, but I would really love to see some of this attention, some of this focus get put on the guys that are there and the guys that have been doing this for a long time and not just the guys that can that can provide this boost when they need to get called upon, when the UFC feels they need to have a boost in situations like this. Oh, absolutely. And I think Rogan said it last night, like, you know, or, or was it Goldberg? I'm not sure, but he's like, you know, they said... You know, because all of a sudden they show the graphic and Lesnar's in the co-main slot. And you're like, okay, he's in the co-main <laughs> slot. And that bumps Misha down. That bumps Frankie down. That bumps Aldo down. And let's be honest, 
it you know it takes away from Lesnar's presence definitely takes away from Jones or Cormier like Lesnar's the Lesnar's the the man on that show like that's 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 the draw well and and you mentioned the getting bumped down and and I will fully cop to holstering a tweet that was about to get sent out of like listen I get the excitement but Lesnar being at number two on this card you know, with Misha Tate hitting the cage before him, with the interim title fight hitting the cage before him, is just lulls. Like, this is, like, I get it, I understand it, but it's just one of those, like, God, you gotta be kidding me. Like, can we, can we figure out where we want to be? Because the thing that you and I have talked about, the thing that I've talked about on this podcast numerous times and, and on the blog several times, is at a certain point, these one-off attraction guys and these big names disappear and you're left with the sport. You're left with sort of the guys that have been there that have been plugging away in the trenches and you have to rely on them. And if you're just constantly going to be finding a way to pull somebody back in that brings a bunch of eyeballs and promoting them at the expense of everybody else that's been there, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing not only those fighters and, and those people like Misha Tate that has earned co-main event status, that should be in the co-main event of a fight card like this and should be fighting before the should be fighting after the interim title fight because she is the undisputed women's bantamweight champion. If you're going to continue to do that, you're doing them a disservice, you're doing yourself as an organization a disservice because you're just looking at the here and now and you're just looking at the the short game, when ultimately this should be a long game. This should be a 100% long con that you're running as long as you can because there's no sign of the UFC stopping or slowing down or suddenly going away. So continue to build these guys and promote these guys. Use the Brock Lesnar's to generate more interest rather than making it seem like Brock Lesnar is more important than these people that have been putting in work for as long as these guys have by just bringing him back. It's the same way I've always felt about the GSP talk. Every time it comes up, it's like, what are we doing? We're just going to drop this guy back into the middle of everything. Like he's like, he's like, he hasn't been away for this long and suddenly he's more important than everybody that has been continuing to earn their keep and earn their place in his stead, it just, I get it from a business standpoint, I get it from a, oh look, it's the biggest name, and, and like a rock concert, the big name goes on last, and they're on the top of the marquee, but there's a bunch of people that have earned that spot that he hasn't, and, and at some point you would hope that the UFC recognizes that, but that's probably a pretty faint hope, isn't it? Dude, you know, here's what sums it up perfectly. This the seeing the way that card was laid out is the same way I felt when I see Mike Tyson on the EA the EA UFC uh, commercial. <laughs> like you just don't like what the hell is Mike Tyson? Right. What he had anything to do with the UFC at all? Right. Nothing. And then you have these guys who you could you know foster as, uh, and to stardom, and you got Mike Tyson on there. Like right. come on, man. Like. Okay, so so then, but that's the thing. It's that pop. It's that that it's that like circus shit, man. So it's like one one off and whatever. So like I said, I I see the the attraction appeal, you know, with Lesnar fighting at UFC two hundred. I just you know, like like you said, when everything's when all that flash and like, hey, look over here is gone, then you're still left with the sport and you're left with people that have been making the proverbial donuts. For for, <laughs> right. for a long time, so um, yeah, man, you know, I, I, it, it is what it is in that <laughs> sense. But like, I just, you know, like I said, it's like I just had the same feeling. Like, like, what the hell is Mike Tyson doing on a UFC video game? You know, like, um, I don't know. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I hear you. It was it was a crazy night last night at UFC one ninety nine. All kinds of different stuff that I'm sure we're going to continue talking about going forward over these next couple of weeks, sort of in this off week between UFC Ottawa and this card, and then leading into UFC 200, which is only a month away. Uh, Not sure if I'm going to be seeing you or not officially in Las Vegas during International Fight Week, as we were last week, last year, sorry, in Las Vegas. 
But before I let you go, I would be remiss to not have you on here and not talk about the new gig that you are holding down that I am so happy for you and so proud of you, as hokey as that sounds, to give you a chance to talk about it, Flow Combat, and everything that you guys are doing down there. So first and foremost, I know I've congratulated you in text and phone calls and things like that, but congratulations, it couldn't happen to a better dude that has worked as hard as you have to get to a position like this where you're able to tell the stories the way you want to tell them with an outlet that is committed to the sport of this sport. So congratulations and and let everybody know what's going on with you and the flow combat crew down in Austin, Texas. Yeah, man. You know, I, you know, I appreciate it. I haven't had a a better, closer friend in in this thing than yourself. So that means a lot. Um, yeah, the, uh, you know, it's no secret, um, at least, you know, between you and I. So, but I don't think it's any secret publicly that I was kind of one foot out of this, um, about, you know, February, March, uh, I did the content project um, for Junkie at the end of the uh, at the end of last year, and then I just kind of I don't know I just kind of lost my footing with it. Um, there wasn't the things that I was passionate about. I kind of felt like I'd done everything I needed to do, told the stories I needed to tell, and then this flow combat situation kind of came out of the blue. So um, the this, the deal with flow combat is you know it's it's the it was the chance to or it is the chance to shape a a site in my vision and anybody who's ever you know followed uh you know followed me as a writer knows that you know it's i i i, I care a tremendous amount about telling fighters stories and I, and I and i leave the bullshit be um so uh you know taking this job that it's it's interesting because writing's only part of what i do now and uh and there's th- these other challenges of you know actually being a a senior editor that that i find super appealing you know i first couple of weeks were rough because I just didn't know the animal and I kind of equated it to, you know, throwing me into the uh, cage with a tiger and, you know, I got to figure out how to it. And, you know, of course it's going to tear me up a little bit, but I felt like every time I get my, my hands on the tiger and get it calmed down, then they'd open the door and let a clown car in you know, and, and, and everything would go crazy again. But that's, that's the thing about this sport is there's so many, as you know, Spencer, because you spent your time doing doing uh the same thing there's so many great stories and there's so much commitment and passion put into the these careers that these guys do that that's get that gets lost because it's not clipworthy you know what i mean it doesn't it doesn't draw traffic so uh you know you look at these guys like a guy like max holloway for instance you know he you know he was a guy i mean a, a year ago that i mean i was told by my bosses that it just it wasn't worth you know, writing about somebody was clicking. I'm like, wait a minute, like this guy's going to be something. He's showing us right now that he's gonna be something. And, and look at him, you know, look at look at where he's sitting. So um, you know, flow combat and here's the thing that, that's most appealing to me is that, you know, I've launched out and all these things in the past four years, you know, the road trip and these embedded projects, and I've done all these things and, and you know, I've had certain entities uh, you know within structures that i've worked with that have backed me but i never really had the full support uh, of kind of like the uh the the machine you know like the higher ups and the brass that was like hey you know what we like what you're doing dude just you know go go get it i absolutely have that support at flow combat we have some amazing stuff uh that this month here in a couple weeks i mean just i mean we're, we're not even two months and 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 I think from the feedback that I've that I've seen and received that we've made a a huge impact, you know, with uh, in, in the MMA space, and and, and that, that feels like an incredible accomplishment to know that you know uh, seven weeks ago this thing didn't exist, and, and now it now it's this thing that a lot of people are supporting the fight community, fighters, uh, fellow media are supporting, you know, because it's 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 just a cool thing and it's a cool space that. Uh, if, if, if at the very least we'll be honest, you know what I mean? There's no, you know, there's just no bullshit. And, you know, I said it before and, and, and you know, like I, I joked when I took the gig, you know, that, you know, you would never see a, you know, Mayweather versus Rousey <laughs> bullshit article from me. And then the Ray, the Mayweather McGregor <laughs> stuff started kicking up. Hey, I held true to form, man. You know, I, I probably cost us a couple hundred thousand clicks, but I just wouldn't, we just wouldn't do it. Like I'm just not doing it. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I I don't know uh I don't know exactly, you know, how this how this thing all shapes up or what it's gonna be in six months. But I can tell you right now at you know, just as just south of the two month mark, 
that, you know, it, it is what I said it was going to be, you know, that it's a place where you can come get great fighter stories. Uh, you can get interesting, you know, looks from, from the fighters and, you know, and it's, and the opinion stuff there, it's just kind of straight down the middle. It's more perspective and straightforward. And, uh, yeah, but we have, you know, this, uh, we have this Frankie Edgar project that, um, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of the Carlos Condit work I did, then you're going to love the Edgar stuff. Uh, that's coming out here soon. Uh, we have Chael Sonnen Submission Underground next month in Portland. Um, you know, and then the, the, the live fights that we stream with, you know, Valor and, uh, you know, like USFFC, um, we just did Friday, you know, like that's Spencer, you and I spend so much time, uh, at the, at the top side of the sport covering the regional level isn't something that we've really had the ability to do. And, you know, it's something I kind of overlooked for a long time. And now, you know, being able to give those fighters, you know, uh, some shine, it is is a cool thing, man. So I'm really excited uh, for where this thing's gonna go, and uh, um, the things that we have on deck are just really that I can't quite talk about. They're just they're just gonna <laughs> they're gonna blow your minds. Like I I probably even shouldn't have mentioned the Frank Yeager thing, but uh, but I did. <laughs> so uh, um, yeah, man, just just tons of cool stuff. And and let me add one more thing. And and, and uh, you know, and we've already had some like you know, so, some things that could have blown up in our face, like the, you know, we were supposed to do the, the, uh, uh, Cerrone podcast that didn't end up working out, but that was the thing is like the, the MMA community who, who can be surly, <laughs> you know, was like, okay, Hey, that didn't work out on to the next thing. It wasn't like, right. Oh, look at these guys that, that shit blew up. It was like, no, you know, like, Hey, on to the next thing, on to the next big thing. So, uh, it feels really good to know that we have, so much support from a community that you know I love with all my heart. Yeah, man, it's it's been really cool to see. And you and I over the years have talked about getting the opportunity to fashion a site the way that we want and and out of the vision that you and I share of of just telling the stories and not getting into that, you know, Mayweather said this about so and so and then so and so responded to Mayweather about that because it does just feel like noise. It does just feel like I get it. It drives traffic. People want to click on it. To me, it, I've always used the like, listen, millions of people watch Keeping Up With The Kardashians. That doesn't mean it's important. That doesn't mean it's great. That doesn't mean it's something that is vital to this sport or my life. And so it's cool to see what you guys are doing. It's cool to see. It's cool to see you back in the game because, as you said, it felt for a while like you were you were getting out. We had talked a couple of times that this was going to be kind of the the swan song year and do one last sort of circle around everything. So it's good to still have you around and dropping stuff like the good, the bad and the strange from last night. It's good to see the young kid, Hunter Homestack getting, getting a little extra room to spread his wings and grow a guy that you've been good to take under your wing and kind of show the ropes over the years, paying it forward for all the people that have done so for us. So for anybody that wants to check it out, it is flowcombat.com. F-L-O-C-O-M-B-A-T dot C-O-M. Follow them on Twitter as well, at Flow Combat. Follow Dwayne at Dwayne Finley MMA. Dude, it's always a pleasure, man. You already broke the little bit of scoop that of what's coming down the pipe with the Frankie Edgar piece and, and the Frankie Edgar project from being out there in, in Dirty Jersey not too long ago. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, man. It's always good to have you, and uh, it's good to run this back and talk fights with you again it's nice that you have a skype connection and an internet connection that holds up we didn't have to pause for any like station identification and finley bad internet moments this whole time yeah you know i, I you know i dare to say it, it, it's it, and for those listening you have to understand spencer has tolerated uh <laughs> my my lack of tech savvy and to a degree where he's actually served as like my personal like google instructor like i'll be he'll text me and say hey man did you see that article and i'll be like nah man where is it he's like dude google it like <laughs> You know what I mean? Or like send me a link, you know, he'll send me a link, you know. So yeah, it's it's awesome, man. I um You got um, a new you got a new job, you got a new computer and you got good internet. Yeah, life yeah, life yeah. is good. Life is good. I'm not home as much as I, as I would like to be, but uh, but yeah, man. One thing before I go, like like you touched on, like or or I, or I said as well that you know, um, you and I've done this for a very long time, and I, I think people 
who aren't in our position, uh, you know, who are on their way up, you know, they, they see guys like us, and they're like, oh, man, you know, I, 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 you know, I just, I just want to have what they have, or I want to be where they are, you know, I, but I don't think they understand the, the, the copious amount of work, and, you know, and we always, we always kind of cliche joke about, like, the grind, no, it's real, man, I mean, like, that's the thing is like you see like I, I I'm telling you man working at Flow Combat it's just like now that I'm I'm running this it's like just kind of like you, when you when you pick when you when you throw an assignment or you say hey man you know I need can can you cover down on this and you know and Hunter's been amazing about it but some people haven't been it's like you know that's the thing man is if if you want something then you really have to go after it and you have to do yes there's some shit work that comes <laughs> with it but then sometimes you get to floss a condit project you know what I mean like. You, you you get to like you're in a spot right now, Spencer, where you you pretty much call your own shots. You do what you want to do, but you earn that, you know. And and I'm in a in a place where are similar. But well, before I did the, took this job, you know, I was kind of just picking and choosing my projects. And now, you know, um, you know, I I, I like dude, like I said about the Bisbank, and this would be a perfect like way to come full circle. Circle it all around. If you would have told me a year ago while we're sitting <laughs> in Vegas, poolside drinking drinking beers and telling lies. If you had if you had told me a year ago, hey man, you know you're gonna be a senior editor at a site and and it's gonna be this and that, I'd have been I'd have been like you know no way like I'd have been like yeah you know yeah next thing you're gonna tell me is Michael Bisbing's gonna be champion. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, but, well, here we are on Sunday, June fifth, in a world where Dwayne Finley is a senior editor at Flow Combat, kicking ass and taking names at a brand new site that everybody should check out, and Michael the Count. Bisping is the UFC middleweight champion of the world. I can't think of a better way to wrap this up. Everybody, I appreciate you tuning in and checking us out as always. Like I said not too long ago, follow him at Dwayne Finley MMA. Follow at Float Combat. You know the scoop with me at Keyboard Kimura at Spencer Kite. Appreciate you tuning in. We've got a week off, but there will be lots coming down the pipe at Keyboard Kimura and here on Province Sports Radio, the Keyboard Kimura podcast. So keep tuning in. Keep listening. We'll get you set up for UFC Ottawa. Until then, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to Keyboard Kimura, the official mixed martial arts podcast of the province. Read the Keyboard Kimura blog on theprovince.com, follow them on Twitter at Keyboard Kimura, or visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash keyboardkimura. Kimura.